The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I'm Diane Ray. Thanks for being present with me for a little while. I am really excited about today's show. I am just so jazzed. I'm in such a good mood about this. Now, today's show is for all of you overachieving people pleasers, supermen and women and doormats. <laughs> you know, <laughs> does that resonate with any of you? Uh, how many times have you said yes when you meant no? Have you put yourself out for people who had no appreciation? And how many times have you been disappointed when you've been taken advantage of? Well, if this sounds familiar, if you agree with any of this, and believe me, I put myself in this category too, then today's show is going to open your eyes. Now, my guest today is an old friend and colleague, and I'm so happy that she could join the show today. Nancy Levin is a master life coach. She's an author and speaker who's an expert in helping people make transformational changes in their lives. And she's the author of five books. The latest is Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. And I'm just loving this. I've been doing the exercises in here, just kind of taking a deep dive over the past couple of days. I love this subject matter. And I know we're just going to have so much to talk about. So you can find out about Nancy and her events, her online courses, her coaching groups. All of this is on her site, nancylevin.com. So welcome, Nancy, to the show. Thanks so much, Diane. I'm really excited to be here with you today. I know. This is so fun. <laughs> this is like <laughs> old, like old times. <laughs> it is just like old times. So just to get a little bit of the history out of the way for people that don't know, Nancy and I worked together at Hay House where she was the event director for 12 years. And I was there for 11 years. I mean, we were both there forever. And mm -hmm. uh, Nancy did a radio show with me uh, for Hay House Radio called Jumpstart Your Life. And I could see she was just a natural even then, um, and also seeing her in action at the Hay House events, at the I Can Do It events. And I was uh, lucky enough and privileged enough to be a part of some of those events uh, with the radio shows. And I mean, I just have to say, it's been so fun to watch the metamorphosis that Nancy's been on from event director to taking the stage herself. And Nancy was a student of the late, great Debbie Ford, uh, also Dr. Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, and she's just kind of, you know, culminated all of that together and, and forging her own path and message and helping people overcome their fears and be accountable and create change in their lives. And it's just, it's, it's so cool. So congratulations on, on all of that. And, you know, when I was looking at your site, I'm like, oh my God, five books. That's <laughs> <Right>? so great. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> you know, when you think about it yourself. It is. Journey, it's hard to you know, believe. Well, it's been so awesome to watch, you know. So, I mean, let's just like talk a little bit about that for a second. You know, you got to study sure. at the feet of the masters, yes. you know, like Louise and Dr. Wayne Dyer. And it was so great to read again, you know, some of the stories and things that you learned and shared in the book. I mean, and I find myself, you know, just in my own journey um, that I've been on, you know, just over the past two years, like venturing into something new and, and doing things that I'm afraid of. And, you know, it's so funny. I've got Louise's power thought cards on my desk mm -hmm. I keep one there every day I look at one you know I mean I use this stuff right, <laughs> it's like, right I use course. it and <laughs> it's it's so valuable and whenever I think that I can't do this you know I'm going to throw in the towel I'm afraid I'm whatever and I'm like you know Louise was in her 60s when she started the company and I just I, I asked myself, Louise, how did you do it? How did you do it? You know, like I try to channel her and channel Wayne and all the things that I learned from him, you know, over the years working with him on his show. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what are some of the things that you pull from from that experience? You know, I, I the same thing about Louise, I always think about that she started Hay House, you know, at 60. And I whenever I'm in the mindset of like, feeling old or feeling like, oh, it's too late or anything like mm -hmm. that. Or whenever I hear a client say anything like that, I'm always drawn to 
to remind people of that about Louise. And, you know, I will say that, you know, I do feel that I am doing the work I do now with this triumvirate of Louise, Wayne, and Debbie, you know, sort of guiding me and that I'm carrying their torches forward as well. And, you know, there's little things about each of them. You know, I spent so much time with each of them and, you know, it was really Louise who I had the first experience of being able to say no with such great fear, but doing it anyway and being received with grace. And it was terrifying the first time I said no to her because that was so out of my realm, so out of my vocabulary, (laughs) you know, I mean, there's the whole story in the beginning and the introduction of setting boundaries will set you free of me flying across the country for Wayne's briefcase. I mean, that's the extent to which I would go, you know, and so to say no to Louise was huge for me. But my relationship with her was really one of my most formative sort of learning laboratories. So I'm really grateful for that experience with her. And with Wayne, something I always think about in terms of Wayne is, you know, I traveled the world with him and Wayne talked to every single person as if they were on the same, on the same level, so to speak. He would talk to, you know, he would talk to luminaries the same way in which, and he would talk to a maid in our hotel and we, we would be in a car driving somewhere. He always wanted to engage the driver, hear the driver's story. You know, where did you come from? What was your family like? What's it like you being here now? He was always so curious and interested in hearing everyone's story. And so these are other, you know, pieces that like I carry with me. And then, you know, really with Debbie, her shadow work is the basis and the foundation of all the work I'm doing now. You know, I'm just building on what I learned from her and then making it, making it my own and bringing it to, you know, bringing it to a whole other group of people who weren't, you know, who didn't know who she was when she was still here. So I feel like I'm just drawing, I'm drawing from all my, I'm drawing from all my resources and sources. Right, right. I mean, and I find myself just, you know, because when you're in it, you don't really think of it that way. But like, I look back, and I'm so grateful. And just, you know, things that I learned from Debbie and working with her on her show, and just we were, we were so blessed to be able to uh, learn, you know, from these people. And, yes. and definitely, yeah, with Wayne, you know, he, he loved doing that radio show. Yeah. And, you know, I worked with him for eight years on that and he hated missing shows and he loved talking to people. And I mean, he would give people money on the shows like, oh, no, you're coming to my event. You know, get mm-hmm. this person's info. I'm paying for it. <laughs> and he did yeah, that more than once, one you know, most generous people I've ever known for sure. Yes. Absolutely. So just so awesome that you're carrying on the work of of Wayne and, and Louise and just, you know, there were just such giants and hopefully a new generation will learn, you know, from them and, and come to them, you know, through a lot of the stuff that you're teaching, too. So it's, it's just really cool to be able to draw from that. Um, so mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of get your perspective on, yeah. on what you've learned, you know, over the <laughs> years. So, you know, let's jump right into your book, into setting boundaries, because I've been really loving this. I mean, this topic is going to resonate with so many people. And I see myself in so many of the examples that you share in the book. And this, uh, you know, is kind of a progression of taking the, from the work that you've already done from some of your past books. And then this is like the next step, you know, learning to set boundaries. So let's just jump in. Like, why is it so important for us to do this, to set healthy boundaries? I really do believe that having healthy boundaries is the foundation for living an inhabited life. So living life on our own terms, knowing that we're actually moving in the direction of our desires instead of being other referenced, instead of always putting ourselves last and bending over backwards to do what we think everyone else wants us to do or do what we are doing because we want the external validation or the approval or the accolades. 
Right. It's just, it's so important. I mean, I had so many, you know, light bulbs go off and, you know, bells dinging as I was reading this. <laughs> and I think a lot of the readers are going to feel that way too, because it really is so important to take a look at this. And the first step, you know, in learning to set boundaries in the book, you say that the first step is to recognize that we are the ones who have yes. been crossing our own boundaries. And I love that realization because I mean, it's tough, right? We don't want to look at our own stuff. You know, we don't want to lift the rug up and look what's underneath. And, you know, and let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like, why is that so important to recognize that, look, we're, we are the ones that are doing this? Well, first of all, what, what generally happens is we want to be, like you were saying, we don't want to look. We want to be in the blame. We want it to be someone else's fault. We want to point the finger at someone else. I can't tell you how many times a client has come to me and said some version of, I tried to set a boundary, but he or she kept crossing it. And that leaves us in the place of being the victim and in the place of disempowerment. When we step into taking responsibility for our boundaries, then we are moved into empowerment and we have so much more power around the way we're living our lives. We have so much more discernment about our bringing our desires into fruition when we're willing to take responsibility instead of placing blame. So that's really why I needed to start the book there because I would say the biggest boundary myth out there is that it's someone else's job to uphold your boundaries or that someone else is crossing your boundaries. And really what that does is it ends up taking us, we, we think it'll take us off the hook. And what's happening is the resentment is building and we're looking for someone else outside of us to regulate us. So essentially when we are, when we have you know, leaky boundaries, when we have porous boundaries, what's happening is that we are wanting someone else to change. We're thinking that boundaries are about someone else changing. And we're in this sort of codependency. And I define codependence really as looking for someone else to regulate us emotionally. So what getting clear on getting clear on the idea that if our boundaries are being crossed, we're crossing them and, or we're allowing or enabling them to be crossed puts us in the driver's right. seat. Right. Taking ourselves out of the victim mode. Someone yeah. else is doing this to me. Well, no, you are really, you know, allowing um, a lot of this kind of behavior. I mean, it can be kind of a, a cold bucket of water for some people to yeah. to recognize that, but it's so valuable to take a look and see, you know, what what are the boundaries are. And, and we're going to get into that too with the boundary inventory. I love that. Oh, good. Uh, and, I, and I love <laughs> the whole idea of like, you know, making, I, I think it's so important to be accountable. Be accountable yes. for your own for your own behavior. I mean, and, and maybe it's just getting a little bit older, but I've, I've kind of come to that realization. You know, I try to be accountable for, for what I, I say and do and, you know, how I act towards other people and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's so important. So let, let's get into a little bit of our boundary inventory, because this is so valuable for people to realize like, well, what really are my boundaries? I mean, you'll, you'll know immediately, well, well, this pisses me off or this annoys me or that kind of thing. But, you know, what are some of the questions to ask ourselves to really define what those boundaries are? So I first think we need to, or, you know, I want to offer my definition of boundaries so that we get, we're, yes. we're on the same page with this. So I define boundaries as the limits that we set around what we will or will not do, will or will not tolerate, will or will not accept. And from, so really the bottom line that we're talking about here is what's okay with me and what's not okay with me. And as we're talking about boundaries here as well, we want to be looking at the boundary of delineation between where I end and you begin, because this is where it starts to get a little messy, where we think we can actually 
take responsibility for someone else. We often will take more responsibility than is ours. We think that we can actually, that we can make other people happy or angry. Uh, We want to manage other people's experiences or emotions. And so the very first step in getting clear on boundaries is pulling all that attention that we've been putting outside of ourselves back toward us. So instead of constantly looking outside, constantly referring to someone else, constantly weighing and gauging how something is going to be for someone else to actually begin with the questions of what do I need? What do I want? What is okay for me? What is not okay for me? And to literally start there, which for many of us who have been people pleasers and peacekeepers and conflict avoiders and not rock the boaters, you know, this is... This is huge because we've really never stopped to ask ourselves these questions. You know, I have a lot of clients where I'm asking a very direct question and the answer needs to really start with I, you know, I'm asking a question of my client where the answer is I, and the client will inevitably answer with he or she about a spouse, a parent, a kid, someone. We're, we're so removed from our own experience. And so boundary setting has to begin with coming back into contact with our needs and our wants, desires, and preferences first. And like you were saying, you know, if you're dealing with years of, of conflict avoidance, and that, that was huge for me for a long time. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember, you know, times in my teens and 20s, I couldn't even look people in the eye you know, to, to say anything. And Mm -hmm. I I think like, if I really want to dig into that, like, that's probably why I love radio so much. And I hate video. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. You know, I just feel so much more comfortable in in this, you know, format. But yeah, I mean, for years, I'd have a hard time doing that. And I I hated conflict. Um, So uh, that's something that I've personally tried to really you know, work on. And that's a hard thing, especially for women. You know, we don't want to rock the boat. We it, don't want to start so a I, problem, you know? Right. And so I really, you know, I've talked about this a little bit in my last book and then really went into it in this book as well. This idea of cozying up to conflict because we look at conflict as being bad. We look at conflict as being confrontation. And I want to reframe conflict as simply an illumination of our differences. So we can be in conflict and still be in connection. And the important thing to recognize here is that if if we are in a relationship of any sort, we really want to trust you know, real intimacy, real connection, real truth and honesty in a relationship is trusting that, you know, there's, there's room for your truth and my truth, that it's not an either or. And so it's not about me muscling you over to my side or you muscling me over to yours, but it's simply just, here's what's true. And so if we, if we can look at the idea that the goal of relating is not harmony at all cost. And when we are conflict phobic, that's what we're doing. We are just gunning for harmony at any cost. We just, we're in that loop in our head of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay? And the toll that takes is, I was going to say just the toll it takes is a lot. Exactly. And And that's the thing. Yeah. When we're, when we're doing whatever it takes, doing whatever it takes, takes a high toll. (laughs) You know, it's a high cost and Mm -hmm. it's, and it comes at the cost of us and our own, our own peace, our own happiness, our own freedom, our own joy, you know, living our own life. So I'm really wanting to sort of shake things up a bit and have people not be so invested in this idea about, about harmony at all costs but really rather about showing up in tr- with truth. I mean, 
truth telling is always going to be at the baseline of any of any of the work I do. It's been at the base at foundation of all of my books, of all of my coaching. You know, the subtitle to this book is The Ultimate Guide to Telling the Truth, Creating Connection and Finding Freedom. It has to begin with being willing to tell ourselves the truth first and then being able to reveal our, our truth to other people. And to me, that's freedom. If I can reveal my truth to you without fear, I'm free. Right, right. But isn't there a way, I mean, I, I had a friend who she would kind of use that as a cloak for, you know, bashing people over the head with her opinion. And it, she, and she would say, well, I'm, I'm very truthful. That's just the way I am. I'm very blunt. And, and I, and I would say to her, well, is it, is that your truth or, you know, are you just trying to kind of push, push your agenda in, in a hurtful way? Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think about that? You know, yeah, as so using then, that as and kind then of a it weapon. might be, it might be a way in which you, you know, in this scenario, you know, you would set a boundary with her and, but again, your boundaries between you and you. So it's not up to her to not offer her opinion. It's about right. what you're willing to do to take care of yourself when her opinion is offered. So are you going to, are you going to let, you know, are you going to let her know in some way that you're, you're not interested in pursuing this line of conversation, you know, whatever it might be that you're not available for this kind of conversation, you know? Right. And there's so ways to do that, that you yeah, share in the book. Way, of course, there's ways to do this. Mm -hmm. And I do scripts in the book and I talk about the ways in which to verbalize boundaries because again, it's not about someone else's behavior changing. We have this idea that setting a boundary means, uh, some version of pointing the finger at the other person saying you always, or you never, or you can't, or I need you to, you know, some kind of language like that, where it's about the other person making a change. And I'm taking the approach here of a boundary being set is really, let me share with you my experience, my feeling when you do or say X, Y, Z, and here's what I'm going to do to take care of myself when this happens. Right. And so important what, what you share on, on this point that you are not going to change them. No, you're just, you're just not. No, <laughs> like, no. I so mean, give listen, it up. <laughs> I think we've all tried for centuries. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? It's just I, not I going to work. It's a cold, hard reality that, you know, I can't change anyone else. And to that extent, I'll even add in, you know, as a little sort of Louise story, and I talk about this a lot with my, you know, I have a coach training program where I'm training and certifying coaches, and I talk about this particular story. You know, I was with Louise at, I mean, hundreds of book signings, and she would stand there for hours till every single book was signed. And I can't tell you how many, at that point, thousands of people would come up to her and say, you know, Louise, you changed my life. And she would always say, no, darling, you changed your own life. I gave you the tools. And right. it's the same, it's the same idea here. You know, we have no, we have no control, no power over what someone else does or doesn't do. That's their choice we can, we can give them the tools or we can be an example. We can demonstrate, we can communicate and that's what we can do. That's right. And I do remember her saying that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh I mean, no, I, it was said it a million times. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting in doing these boundary inventories and, you know, spending some time with yourself and you advocate, you know, writing this stuff down, you know, get a pen, you know, yeah. do it on your phone, your computer, whatever. Um, and, you know, and journal and write this stuff down and go through the exercises. And I had a couple, you know, of boundaries that came up when I was doing my own inventory. Um, you know, one, for example, I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this one, you know, setting boundaries in talking about politics. Sure. I mean, I got caught up for a while in, you know, posting a lot of negative stuff of my own opinion um, and just getting angry and letting people trigger me over that. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to do it anymore. It's not serving me. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just aggravating me and pissing me yeah. off every day. Uh, you know, and then another one where, 
you know, I set a boundary for myself with a friend, you know, I have a friend who like who likes to drink and make phone calls and she'll mm-hmm. call and want to chat and chat and chat. And I'm like, you know, I'll talk to you for 10 minutes. That's it. And then I'll cut, I'll cut it off. I'm like, look, I, I can't, I can't talk to you when you're like this. Exactly. You know, so just right. Setting right. those and boundaries. Right. And, it, and it is, and that's really what it is. It's getting clear on what's okay. What feels okay. What doesn't feel okay. And what am I going to do about it? Not waiting for the other person to do something. So it's not, don't call me when you're drinking it's, I mm-hmm. have the choice to pick up the phone. I have the choice to cut off our conversation. It's a really, it's a really big difference. Oh, absolutely. And I've never, you know, I've never confronted her in an angry way or anything nope. like that. Like a lot of times I'll know, cause I'm on the West coast. She's on the East coast. I know if it's like, <laughs> if it's eight o'clock West coast, nine, right. 10, 11, I'm like, okay, chances are that I don't want to pick up this call, you know, so I won't. Right. Or if I do, and, and if she's feeling sad or whatever, I want to be supportive, but I'm like, that's it. I'm cutting this off. I'll give you 10 minutes and then I'll talk to you tomorrow when you're in a better place, you know? Right. So yeah. And it's better for me because then I'm not stuck for an hour on the phone, you know, making myself crazy trying well, to change someone or make someone else feel better when it's, it's not going to happen. Exactly. So, and, and then your resentment isn't rising. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Because that's really ultimately like the telltale sign that a boundary needs to put in place is gauging our resentment. Yes. We're going to take a short break. So much more to chat about in the next segment. If you'd like to join us with a question, comment, or anything else, 816-251-3555. I'm Diane Ray talking with Nancy Levin. We'll be right back. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm Diane Ray talking with Nancy Levin about her latest book, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. Such great information in this book. I'm telling you, you got to pick this up. And don't forget, check out Nancy on her site, nancylevin.com, for coaching and also finding out about her other books. And Nancy, you take uh, clients and, and info through your site, right? People can reach you that way? They absolutely can. And all my social is there. It's the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. So definitely check that out, nancylevin.com. So jumping back into uh, what we were talking about with boundaries um, in the previous segment, just kind of setting up our boundary inventory, working through some of that, just really interesting stuff. I mean, I had some great, uh, you know, aha moments of my own. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about codependency and boundaries. And Mm -hmm. this I thought was so interesting, um, kind of exploring this topic. You know, many people who struggle with boundaries are in codependent relationships. And I've just seen a lot of people struggle with this. I know how difficult it is to extricate yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, from one of these uh, situations. So what would be your, your definition of codependent? So my definition of codependence is when we're looking for someone outside of us to regulate us emotionally. So in other words, like I'll be okay when he or she does or says X, Y, Z, instead of finding the way back to self-regulation. And these situations can be so damaging, these Mm -hmm. codependent relationships. I mean, after a while, doesn't it just, you know, people just lose their their whole sense of self and just become... (laughs) Yes, you know, I did of, it myself. You know, <laughs> you know right, I, right. I, write, I, mean, I write all about it in Jump in Your Life Will Appear. And believe me, you know, I would never have been able to write this book on boundaries if it wasn't something that I, you know, really had to learn for myself. And I'll tell you, you know, it's like in 2010, I set my very first boundary, which was 
not going back to my abusive husband after being kicked out of the house five times. And on the fifth time, I didn't go back. And that's what ultimately set us on the course of finally getting divorced. And in 2020, here we are now, and I've got a book on boundaries. And what I want more than anything is to help everyone set that life altering boundary now. Right. And know that there's light on the other side of the tunnel and just, you know, and, and now when you have that, that perspective of looking back, like, look how much happier you are and, you know, where you are in your life and things that you've been able to accomplish. And oh my I think goodness. people I mean, need I, to if know. I, if, you know, if all of, if all of what happened had not happened, I would not be here. I mean, I was first of all, you know, I was in my dream job at Hay House. I never in a million years thought I would leave that job. And it was ultimately through, you know, my marriage blowing up, me having to take a really close look at the truth telling that I was talking about earlier, having to really make some tough choices and make some decisions about how I wanted to live my life and be with the exposure, be with no longer managing the perception of others and no longer projecting this image of perfection to the world and standing in my truth and being in alignment with my truth. All of that is what ultimately led me to do, you know, to do my life coach certification training with Debbie Ford. I never, ever thought I would be a coach. It was not anything I ever thought I wanted to do. But the, the thing is, is that at the end of that year-long training, I was a different woman than I was when I began it. And it's what gave me the clarity and the courage and the confidence to actually go out on my own. Right. And you're so honest. You know, I love that in your books. You know, you really just, you lay it out there. I, I and do. And tell people, <laughs> look, you know, like you, you're teaching from experience. You really are. Like you share what what you've been through and what you've learned. And I, I think that's, that's so valuable, you know, and just, and very authentic that, and people pick up on that, you know, that's why you're so good at doing this well, at doing what you do. That, you know, thank you. And I think that, you know, something that, you know, obviously so much unifies all of us and we find ourselves in each other's stories and by, you know, I believe that we all, on some level think that there's some part of ourselves we have to hide in order to be loved and accepted. You know, either some aspect or some quality or some, you know, secret, something that we have to hide and protect. And it's that sort of thing of, if they knew this about me, they wouldn't love me anymore. And right. so we start to sort of protect and hide that. And yet in the, in the next breath, we're also saying you know, I just want to be loved for who I am. And we can't be loved for who we are if we don't reveal who we are. And it does take courage. But here's what I've learned. <laughs> it takes far less energy to tell the truth than it does to concoct a whole drama around a persona and present that to the world. Like that takes a right? lot of energy. Tell the truth. The more lies and things that you weave, <laughs> yeah. you know, trying to keep track of those lies and stories and fabrications. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't see how people can, can do that. It's got to be no. exhausting. Just no, it's draining. It is exhausting. And so when we're able to really be in the truth and, and express ourselves in alignment with our truth, we, to me, like I was saying before, that's freedom because otherwise, you know, here's the deal. When we don't tell the truth, we create chaos in our lives. And when we don't tell the truth, it will come out. It will oh, come yeah. out sideways. <laughs> you know, it'll sideways. come Sideways, right in your will. face too. Yeah, it'll come out, you know, and it will come out as illness perhaps, or as self-sabotage or self-destruction, it will come out. And so I'm, you know, I'm a big proponent of really, you know, rocking your own, rocking your life first 
before it gets rocked for you. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, a bit, a big part of that, um, and that I was reading in the book, which is just is so great, you know, trying to navigate that. So, okay, tell the truth, right? That's the big thing. Tell the truth. Well, a lot mm -hmm. of times in that process, you know, people are trying to navigate this and they're dealing with lots of guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they're in enmeshed in that codependent situation, yeah. you know, they feel that, oh, I'm being selfish. I'm hurting the yeah. other person. I feel guilty. And overcoming that hurdle, I think, is huge. And you talk about this, which is so great. Yes. Learning to get comfortable with these feelings. And that's really important, right? It is, you know, so I'm really on, like, I'm on the bandwagon right now to reclaim selfishness. We've, we've made this idea that's, we've, you know, we, we're, we made selfish wrong and bad. And I really believe that selfish self-care and self-love are essentially three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. And that the invitation here is for you to consider yourself as much as and ultimately more than you are considering other people. And that can feel like a tall order when it's so foreign to consider yourself at all, let alone first. And so I like to think about guilt in this context as the indicator that you're on the right track. Right. If you feel guilty, there's, you know, there's a reason you are on the right track. And it, it, it's just so great. <laughs> I love, love this whole topic. <laughs> so, but it, remi it reminded me, okay, well, I have to throw up uh, the name of our mutual friend, you know, Cheryl Richardson. She wrote yes. this great book, The Art of Extreme Self-Care. And one yeah. of those chapters, Let Me Disappoint You. Mm -hmm. We have such a hard time letting people down and, and speaking our truth, knowing it, it might disappoint someone else. But being able to kind of embrace that, be okay with being uncomfortable. All right, I, I made you angry. I disappointed you. I'm not dropping everything to pick you up in two hours of traffic for some stupid reason for or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just being able to deal with those feelings of, of guilt or letting someone down, realizing yeah, just that being it's able to the cost it's discomfort. taking. Right, yes. right. Yeah, and so, being so important. able to say no. I mean, it's a really, really powerful lesson to learn around being able to say no with grace and gratitude instead of excuses and guilt. And to really look at, am I saying yes? you know, that like knee jerk. Yes. That we have the impulse to say, <laughs> am I saying yes out of obligation, responsibility? Am I saying yes, because I want to be the hero, the fixer, the savior. Am I saying yes, because I want people to like me because I don't want someone to be mad or disappointed. If it's any of those reasons to me, it's a straight up. No. Right. Like, right. yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is linked to desire only. <laughs> you know, I want to do this. Well, you think women, you know, most of all fall into this category, but I see a lot of men mm -hmm. uh, falling into this savior category. Oh, I have to save you. I have to be there yep. to help you and buy you expensive gifts so that you'll love me. And, you know, oh, I feel guilty for telling you my truth. I mean, guilt, I don't know, maybe it was just the years of, of growing up Catholic that I just, I, I don't even like to deal with guilt. I mean, it just seems like such a wasted emotion. I yeah, mean, sure, there's some things it, you should I feel guilty about. I agree but, with you. Yeah, I agree Yeah, don't you. you think it's kind of a, a waste to just tear yourself up all the time and, and feel guilty? And, you know, especially if you're really speaking your truth. You know, look, maybe I should end this relationship. I feel guilty. I'm going to hurt the other person. Well, of course that's going to happen. People are going to be hurt. But we're, right. we're so, so avoiding right. that. But here's the thing. Again, it's the way we've been abandoning ourselves over time for the sake of someone else. So I'm in pain in this relationship, 
but I'm not breaking it off because I don't want the other person to be in pain. And I don't want to be held responsible for (laughs) the other person's pain. And this is the really important point because again, you know, we can't make someone else angry. We can't make someone else happy. We can't, we have no control over their emotions. How, so in other words, their response to our truth is their responsibility to manage, not ours. And yet right. we, we step over that line too often. We want to take responsibility for someone else's experience. And we think we have more power than we do in terms of that. And we are so used to taking the hit. We're so used to swallowing our tongue. We're so used to you know, muscling through. We're so used to taking the hit that we're a little bit numbed out to the level of pain we are in. Right. And right. That's, that's why, so true. yeah, that's why we often don't want to make a move. And that is a choice. That's the other thing you bring up in the book that I thought was mm-hmm. so interesting, you know, taking the path of least resistance. Now, I will admit I have been guilty of this, you know, do nothing about a situation, ignore it, it will go away in enough time. It's <laughs> like, you know, hoping that that will happen. Right. I mean, doing nothing and not facing the issue is a choice in itself, right? I mean, right. I mean, and you know, and I, what I, what I talk about is that there's always going to be consequences to setting a boundary or not setting a boundary, you know, this, so it is about getting conscious around weighing, you know, what, what can I live with? What don't I want to live without, you know, what, again, coming back to that essence of what's really most important for me to live in alignment with my truth. Right, right. So interesting. And also when you dig in a little bit deeper and you you do this through some of the exercises in the book, the book is very experiential. I mean, I hope people pick this up and really spend some time with it, you know, and do the exercises. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, a lot of the way I would handle situations, my avoidance or passive aggressiveness or things like that. Well, I learned that behavior, right? Where do you learn sure, it from your of family course. of origin? You know, <laughs> right, of so course. how did my how did my mother deal with my father when he was difficult? You know, mm-hmm. she would either avoid it, smooth it over, you know, or do her own thing, you know, so I learned that behavior. And we, we learn these things and we can unlearn them. And it's not to place blame or fault. It's just the, the, the situation you grew up in that, of course, you're going to learn in that environment. Right. And we certainly it, weren't interesting. taught. We weren't taught to have boundaries. You know, I was talking no. to a client today who's got three kids under 10 years old. And she was talking about, you know, she said, you know, what do you think is the best way that I can start? sort of instilling this idea and this sort of confidence around boundaries with my kids. And I said, you know, just the simple, just the simple act of asking them the question, what do you need right now? will allow them to start checking in and then answering. And they're going to be far better off if they start early being able to contact and express their needs instead of where so many of us are in adulthood of disowning our needs and and in fact overriding our needs with a sense of independence or self-sufficiency because we don't want to appear needy. Mm, Right. So interesting. I mean, that could be a whole other book in itself, you know, parents, um, Mm -hmm. you know, setting boundaries and, and helping people deal with their kids, you know, both young children and adult children, mm-hmm. you know, yes. like, like you've said, like this behavior will continue into adulthood and, you know, you're, you're still their parent dealing with them. Oh um, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I see so this all around me. We've got adult kids and they're setting boundaries still around money or around, you know, whatever. And, you know, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it, right. It doesn't. <laughs> doesn't stop. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah, that would be a whole other thing. And we've only got 10 minutes left of the show. You know, we could probably do a whole other show on that. Um, You know, but so, so important for people to learn to set those boundaries, you know, as parents with their kids when they're younger, 
you know, with, with love, of course, to avoid, you know, kind of carrying this stuff into Mm -hmm. adulthood Yeah, where it's going to show up in your own relationships. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've seen that in myself, like that here, here's another aha light bulb (laughs) that I got uh, reading through the book, um, going through the chapter on disowned qualities. Now that was a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, when I realized that uh, I had problems with people in past relationships that, well, he, he's lazy. He has no drive, yep. no ambition. It really bothered me, you mm-hmm. know, and now looking back on this one particular relationship I'm thinking of, he was actually okay with his lack of ambition. And I was the one that right. I, I was unhappy where, with where I was in my life. He didn't care. He was happy hanging out with his friends, eating chicken wings and watching sports. And, you know, but to me, yeah. that was lazy and stupid. So, yeah. thought, oh, and that's so, so interesting. <laughs> exactly. So, well, so anything, any quality we disown and lazy used to be a big one for me too. Uh, we will draw toward us. And this is really why the people closest to us end up triggering us the most because we're seeing our disowned qualities reflected back to us by their behavior. Right. And then the invitation is for us to actually own the quality of, you know, I am lazy and here's what my lazy looks like. It doesn't look like eating chicken wings. It looks like, you know, it looks like this, whatever it is for me, you know? Exactly. But also what was interesting too, was in my judgment of that, you know, in a way I was kind of jealous or, wow, I wish Mm -hmm. I could just be happy, you know, doing nothing. And that's something like my husband now where he's happy doing nothing and that's, you know, it's okay. But I'm like, how can you, like, he can relax, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to learn, learn from that, you know? In the disowned qualities, there's, there are, you know, I think, I believe qualities are neutral. We're the ones who put the charge on them, you know, negative or positive. And in any quality, there's going to be a gift. So even if we, if we look at lazy and want to call it bad to be lazy, you know, uh, there's still a gift. So like, you know, and I always say, you know, I disowned lazy and then I married a man who was textbook lazy, didn't want to work. And I could really easily say, I'm not lazy. I'm a workaholic, quite frankly. So I'm overcompensating. So no one would even see my lazy. And then from there, I have to look at like, what's my lazy? My lazy is, you know, laying on the sofa and binge watching one of my shows. But it gives me, the gift is it lets me relax, restore, renew, laugh, cry, whatever it is. So that's when we look at lazy sometimes as like a bad quality. Now you're talking about your husband now, you know, relaxing or maybe being more carefree. And you said, you know, I'm jealous. I have envy of that sort of, of, of that way. So that's what I would say is sort of a positive quality or a light quality. We've also disowned, like I, I've disowned my, you know, being carefree or I've disowned truly resting or relaxing. So we then want to look at the people who we want, who, who express something that we would want to emulate or that we feel inspired by, and we get to reclaim that too. So we, we get to look at all the qualities because anything, anything we see in another person is in us. So every single quality, we are everything. And we just want to be always looking at sort of the light and the dark or the positive or negative. And we can reclaim them all. There's a place for all of them. Right, right. And that's um, a lot of that is uh, what you learned from Debbie, right? Her, a lot. Her dark and light. Debbie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she was absolutely. so awesome. <laughs> yes, she was. Uh, I miss I miss her. But just so, right. uh, so important, you know, the information that that you're sharing and, and uh, you know, giving people those those moments, the aha moments, you know, when, mm-hmm. when they're thinking about that, just really, really important stuff. So, I mean, we've only got five minutes. I knew this would fly by and I have I so many more, more questions. <laughs> we could just <laughs> go on and, and chat some more, but I wanted you to share a, a success story. You know, I want people to get in touch with you, you know, think about some of this stuff. Cause it's really interesting when you start peeling back the layers um, and you work with so many people and, and have over the years, I mean, can you share a story of a client who's kind of overcome, you know, maybe gotten out of a real codependent relationship and 
has moved on to success and happiness? I mean, there's so, there's so many, there's so many stories like that. I mean, it was really interesting in the beginning, especially when people would come to me and they were drawn to my story and they were drawn in by the, by them finding themselves in me, you know, leaving my marriage and the ways in which they wanted to leave theirs and then discovering, you know, really, cause when you're in that, should I stay or should I go? It's never really about that particular question. It's really the deeper question of, can I be the, can I be in the truth of who I am in this relationship or not? And then once someone discovers they cannot, then it actually becomes easy to leave. So even in the enmeshment, you know, I was, I was completely enmeshed. I never thought I could leave my marriage. And for me to have been able to leave gave me the courage to be able to help others do the same. And so now, you know, I see, and I'm thinking this isn't a story of someone leaving a codependent relationship. This is actually a boundary story that just popped in my mind right now. I have a client who has four kids and a husband who currently is being treated for cancer. And she said she has more freedom and boundaries now in her life than she did when she was single because she's more clear about her own needs, even in the midst of her four kids and her husband, her marriage, and his cancer. She built a she shed in their backyard, and she goes out there for 30 minutes a day. The kids, her husband, everyone knows that is her time. It's off limits to them. And she said that 30 minutes a day that she's been able to carve out for herself from the work that we've done together has given her more freedom than she ever experienced being single and childless. Like to me, wow, that's everything. that's so great. It is. And just being able to speak your truth, recognize it, and have the strength and, to claim it, you know? And to say, here's it's, it's what amazing. I need. And it's what I need to actually be able to show up in my relationships as a wife, as a mother, even better. It's not an either or. It's not I take care of myself or I take care of you. It's I can take care of myself and you at the same time, but I need to take care of myself first. Right. Like that old story, you know, the airbag that drops. That's in the exactly airplane. it. The oxygen. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's exactly it. Yeah. Save yourself and then you can yeah. save other people. Yeah. So important. I just love this work and it's so interesting to talk with you about this. And I really hope people check this out. Get the book, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free by Nancy Levin. Or you can work with Nancy. I see you've got Facebook groups and you work with people all the time. Go to nancylevin.com. And uh, you've, I'm sure you've got other books in the works. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, yeah, what, we'll what what's you've next. got going on. Yeah. yeah, I've got to have you come back. This has been so fun. I would love to. So, Anytime. Yeah, everybody, uh, thank you so much for listening. And check out Nancy and set those boundaries. Put that fence Thanks, up. Thanks, Diane. You know, in, in a good way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I'm Diane Ray. This has been Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thank you so much for listening. Get the podcast. Subscribe. I'm everywhere. Check me out on social media. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.